Welcome to the Odds Pod. I'm Dave Hendrick. And I'm Ben Hennessy, and we're the team behind the Scout Comics title, The Odds, a tale of what happens to an industrialized food chain while makes a societal collapse. Here's a hint. You're not writing the menu, you're probably on it. Each week, we invite a new guest on to share their favorite or least favorite apocalypse stories with us, be it the Armageddon of each day that sleeps brings, the universe calling time on technological advancement, or, you know, zombies. We want to get into eschatology, delve through doom, and whisper its sweet nothing. So, today's guest... He's a writer, a Scotsman, a dedicated swimmer, and a master of the most spine-tinglingly chilling horror you'll ever read in a comic book. His books have been published by IDW, AWA, and Comics Tribe, and his new title, The Nasty, is soon to be published by our friends at Vault. Like a lot of people in horror, he's one of the nicest folks around, but if he invites you on a bus tour in Glasgow, just check that it's not headed for Sink Hill. He is, of course, John Lees. John, welcome to the Oz Pod. Hi, thanks for having me on. Hey, John, how's it going? Hi, going well. Um, nice to. I was going to be nice to see you and chat to you both again. Um, it's, been a, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah been a point of contact here. When um, I first met you, I didn't realize you were the horror writer, John Lees, because you were just so nice and happy and smiley. I thought that, that territory came around with them. Um, I, I think it's a lot of people think the horror writers are kind of like dark and in general, like horror writers are super nice. It's the kind of people that like the kind of soft, ooby, cuddly stuff you've got to watch out for. I 100% buy into that because every <laughs> horror writer I've ever met has been super nice and i think it's because they just get it all out in the page all that frustration it's all there you know they they deal with it and, that, and that's that's where that's where the demons go whereas god help the person writing my little pony or whatever you know because like <laughs> forget about it you know it's clear yeah it's just yeah. like murdering new horses in the side yeah <laughs> check their basement that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> so john you've been uh we'll get into it you've been pretty busy the last few mm. years now you know um i might might have said this to you earlier off off air but uh you know you've been on a on a on a meteoric rise an overnight success that took about what 20 or 30 years but uh we, it was we, like 30 years it's yeah. like 10 years like and we've got regions age like dogs so that like <laughs> but we've seen it we've seen it now and yeah certainly the last 10 years like from i suppose you know, I first ran into you in New York at, at, at Comic Con when yeah. you were hanging with the Comics Tribe guys. Yeah, um, indeed. yeah, yeah. And I think was Sync out then, was it? Oh, um, when with the being said, because I'm sure we've been on each other for quite a while. I know, like, you know, like we knew each other through, like, you know, the top bubble and stuff, mm. and as well. So by the time I did Sync, I'm sure we already knew each other. Yeah, um, probably. Sync was yeah. until 2017. Um, yeah, no, so it was definitely, I think it was, I think that year, was that 20, 2013, 2012, 2013? Yeah, it was, it was maybe about, and then Emily was gone, it was probably what I had out at yeah. that time, like, you know, yeah. that probably would have been a bit that was new for me at that point, right? Yeah, nice. And then, look, you've, you've um, like, you've really carved um, a, a niche for yourself, I suppose, with, with them, you know, Sync, uh, and they, the, the follow-up, um, and, as as a as a like a premier horror writer in you know you've 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 really owned that you know in the last last couple of years and it's a you know it's a distinctive kind of horror it's it's yeah. linked in with where you're from it's you know it's about i think there's a there's there's personal experience translated into 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 this um 
Obviously, you, you haven't had never dressed up as a clown. Yeah, <laughs> and you're not a fox. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a clown wig behind you, there, John. <laughs> but I think, I think you know, and it can be quite touching as well. You know, the 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 um mm-hmm. the the stuff that comes through, and like all good good horror is, um, and like you've gone on now to um uh your new book, The Nasty. So um, that's coming up for FOC when. Um, FOC is February 22nd. Okay. Um, so. It's available for pre-order now ahead of its March 22nd release. Brilliant. Okay. So it's great when like, you know, books come out in March because like February's four weeks, March, you know, like is four weeks, so, like always matches up nicely. You know, yeah. Yeah. True. And um, so, so give us the, give us the skinny on the nasty. Yeah. What are we looking uh, at here? Yeah. So the nasty is a coming of age horror comedy set against the backdrop of Scotland um, in the 1990s in the waning days of the video nasties, moral panic. Fantastic. Um, I've, I've done a couple of American shows, but I've had to then take a big like sideline and take like five minutes to explain like what the video nasties are. But like, I think like, you know, most people in the UK kind of like, you know, know that it's like um, back in like the 80s into the 90s, um, the government led by like various like right wing um, provocateurs had this big moral panic that led to like videos, various horror and exploitation movies getting banned and yeah. those who sold and distributed them getting prosecuted for obscenity. Um, so that was the kind of like backdrop I was going into. Um, and our main character, um, Thumper Connell, is this kind of like teenage horror fan who has grown up um, with an imaginary friend who is the slasher of his, uh, like the star of his favorite slasher movie. Um, and so he's kind of kept this imaginary friend right into his teenage years. Um, and Thumper and this group of various other horror-loving misfits meet up at the local video shop um, to watch banned video nasties. And they manage to secure one particular video nasty, House of Creeping Flesh, which is supposed to be the most notorious, like, terrifying video nasty of all. This is the one so scary and so widely banned that nobody's seen it, nobody knows what it's about, <laughs> and it's supposedly it's cursed. Um, and they have this plan to host this big festival where they're going to bring all like, horror fans across like the UK to screen this movie, and it's going to see it turn around the fortunes of the Alien video shop. However, they accidentally destroy the tape, and then they realise that nobody's seen this movie, nobody knows it's about, so they try and make their own version and pass it off as the real thing. Um, and then the plot goes from there. Yeah, 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 fantastic. That, that's I mean, a, yeah, it sounds yeah. awesome. Excellent setup, man, yeah. And that's uh, that's drawn by... It is drawn by um right we've got a kind of pair of artists we've got um George Cambadis and we've got Adam Cahoon Brilliant. um who are both doing really good work in the book yeah. and you'll see like I've been sharing a lot of Adam's stuff like he's been doing a lot of world building like through posters and stuff like building up like monster dome videos so I'd like to give them both their props. Fantastic. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't realised he was on the book as well. I just saw George's name on it. That's cool. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So um you get the joy of dealing with two artists. <laughs> they, they both get joy of doing with me yeah <laughs> i i've i've like I'm, I'm familiar with george's stuff i think i've spoken to him maybe once uh, over the years but um his stuff's amazing yeah, I, I, yeah I i'm a big fan i've never spoken yeah. to the guy i just just love his work he's brilliant yeah yeah you know so much like you know personality in the story and things and like and for me like um when i was talking like with ball about like the kind of artists who wanted on board you wanted to make sure they kind of like had somebody like who could kind of like maybe portray violence, portray some like spooky stuff, but it still has to have a light touch because ultimately this is a kind of like you know, even though there are horror elements, there's a, a kind of like light story as well. Yeah. So 
having someone that can do that kind of like you know slice of life style character based work like was really important and i think yeah. like that kind of tone carries through it in the book nicely nice yeah yeah no, george george is great for that kind of stuff and uh, so so this is your this is your family friendly kids book is it <laughs> i'm not sure but well i say family friendly i mean like it's probably about like his like soft and sentimental a book where someone has a spike pushed through their face in the front yeah. of the TV, you know but like <laughs> so it depends it depends how you get on with your family i suppose <laughs> <laughs> fantastic Margaret. it sounds great so like when, you, when you're sorry sorry Dave, yeah and um, just just actually i'll throw it out to both you guys because you're both writers um but like obviously keying in on john here because he's writing a lot of horror um how do you guys manage to find to make horror in a comic book scary because i kind of find that you guys tend to manage that whereas other writers who i know who do horror uh, tend to just oh this is this is that horror moment this is the monster i never feel that 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 fright that anticipation of something about to happen but you do do it all the time specifically quite challenging in comics because obviously like you know um it's not like a book because in a book you can do things like you know the whole idea when you're writing text it's like you can write something you know that's scary you know, and you can make the reader imagine something that's scarier than any artist could draw like the reason i think that no movie adaptation of picture of dorian gray's ever worked is because no like film can like make a picture that's as scary as the one the reader imagines in their mind but a comic has to um like because it's art like the artwork has to be scarier than what like the reader imagines which is always something quite a challenge and then also there's a big thing is that it's not like a movie because movies have sound and comics don't have sound and like so much of like what makes horror movies scary is like the sound rather than the visuals like you could watch if like halloween had like the benny hill team playing like you know throughout it it wouldn't be scary right? you know you need to have like the kind of want to see that now yeah um, <laughs> and like you know so yes yeah, like it's, it's quite challenging to try like and convey horror on the page but like i quite enjoy the challenge of it like you know and, I spend, and there's people that you know like emily carroll and um mm-hmm. and Gio that do it really well and yeah. i can't try to tell what they do and i think a lot of it's like the pacing and the page turns and stuff and like yeah. you know because obviously readers can control a comic they can turn the page at will and if, it, if something's too scary they can just close it but it's trying to kind of like trick the reader into like thinking like they don't have any control and they have to turn the page and see what's coming yeah. um i think which is a kind of nice thing to play with yeah i think leaning into the the way the mechanics of the medium is important for horror and comics you know so it is about that page turn and it is about surprise you know um because you don't you don't have those those tools that you know you have that you take for granted in in tv or in in film Mm -hmm. or whatever you know i mean so much of horror on film is sound you know that we don't even know it's subconscious you know we 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 don't even know we're we're reacting to it you know so so you, you, yeah, you rightly said, John. You know, we we don't we don't have that as as writers, and we don't have it. You know, and and then we don't have the unknown kind of the the imagination of the reader because we are laying it out for them more, more or less. Um, uh, so I find with my stuff that um, I lean into what I'm afraid of. You know, and that yeah, that works yeah. for me. You know, 
Um, so I, you know, I brought up in this this fair isle, which is which was priest ridden and you know uh, rancid with with um, uh, uh, kind of post Vatican II Catholicism. And that stuff scares the shit out of me, you know. So I will always lean into institutional stuff. I'll lean into, you know, those big kind of um, scary statue type kind of scenarios, you know, that, you know, where you've got um, a lot of pain, you know, writ large on, yeah. on, on, on the Absolutely page. Absolutely right. You know, for me, it's like as well, like you were saying, Ben, a lot of times people say, like, when they go, oh, horror means that, like, you know, it's a superhero comic with a werewolf in it, you know, and because it's like a werewolf and a vampire, it's horror. Um, but like, I think that, like, it's like, you know, what you say, Dave, it's like trying to, like, you know, cat, like, glean it and, like, what, what frightens you and what resonates. And as well, I think, like, a big thing is, um, like, what a lot of the best horror comics do is, is you start with character and you try and make characters people care about and emotionally invest in so that when something bad happens to them, like, you fear for them, like, yeah. you know, so, like, it's through empathy, like, you know, that you generate fear. Yeah. And is that, is that a tough ask in comics? Because, you know, it's such a game of real estate, you know, mm-hmm. like you only have 20 odd pages uh, or 20 pages sometimes, and you have to get someone invested in someone. You have to get a reader invested in someone very quickly so we well, can bring the horror. I think like that's, that's one of the, the, magic, the magic of comics, though, is like that if it's done well, like, you know, all it takes is a couple of images and a snatch of dialogue to, like, you know, and the reader falls in the bank. Like, like I read um, first issue of Godfell, um, and, like, literally, like, the first page where that protagonist is introduced, like, you know, some of our names escape me right now, you know, but, like, you know, the first page that cat's introduced, like, you're all in on that character after one page, just through, like, what, four or five panels, like, you know, it can be done, like, you know. That's awesome. Um, so, like, yeah, I think, like, that's one of the last part of the challenge is, like, that kind of economy of, like, you know, suggest using a sort of small space of, like, you know, um, panels to, like, suggest something bigger and, like, like let readers, like, invest something themselves into that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And um, that even that that thing that happens between the panels, you know, so it's the unseen stuff as well that that that, that the reader can you know fill in the, themselves as well. That can be you know that can be a, a really useful tool. Yeah. You know? So when you have those transitions of um, you know from the 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 everyday to the horrific you know you can you know you can let the the reader's imagination go to town on what they're not seeing you know yeah and i think like it's not comics but like, i think i think that's why one of the things that makes like stephen king like the best horror guy or one of the best horror guys is that his formula for success is driven so many of his books says he has on one side um regular characters with domestic dramas and lives and arcs and things you care about and then the other side is this terrible horrible monstrous thing and then it's like these two threats are sort of slowly coming together over the course of the story and like they get impact on each other and like it's all and it's a formula that always seems to work yeah if it's yeah. done right yeah yeah always works for him yeah, yeah it sure does <laughs> it sure does um, um so look we we ask a question of everybody who comes on the odds pod john as you know and um, now it's time for your question. So, John, what is your favorite apocalypse? Um, I did have an answer, but like you know, before I get to that answer, I should give like a wee bonus shout out to like the first thing that sprung to mind. I ended up not going with because Go I thought it wasn't substantial enough. But when I was when the first said, "What's my favorite?" My what's my favorite apocalypse? The first thing that jumped to my head, and it's not substantial enough to talk about when because it's like a, a one minute scene, but. 
literally like one scene in Prince of Darkness of that weird kind of like video kind of like shot and it's like this is not a recording this or this is not a dream this is a broadcast in the future yep. and it's like the kind of like panning shot of all the kind of like ruined streets then you see that figure standing in the hallway that's like the devil supposedly you know in the, in the cloak and yep. then kind of stepping out of the darkness that for me every time I see that terrifies me <laughs> um, and it's like just pure visceral dread of like the world is ending like you know so for me that's like a big sort of like bonus shit uh, when they get <laughs> okay so so let's just let's just yeah, look at that go, for a yeah. second before we get into the other one right let's yeah. let's let's get into that for a sec so so there's a couple of things going on there right mm-hmm. there's 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 a kind of a religious thing happening there right which i i would pick up on immediately <laughs> then you've got you've got the fear of the end of the world you know nuclear disaster that kind of that kind of kind of thing happening now those two things you know uh, when i was growing up they were like the things i would wake up and worry about you know the devil right (laughs) and nuclear attacks okay that was where that was where i was when i was i think if you you had a religious upbringing like you know like i think you did like i did like What's something that I think I feel that never really goes away entirely is like the only thing that's like scarier than like there is no God and life has no meaning and blah 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 is um there is a God but <laughs> like he hates shit and, yeah. he, and like you know and he's evil and you know I'm like terror awaits beyond like you know <laughs> you know that's it yeah yeah I mean I think that is worse than the than the alternative, you know, yeah. you know complete. But that's that's kind of right on your horror moment there as well. You know, I, I often find that some of the most horror films that I, I enjoy the most, they tend not to scare me at the moment in time. They, they tend to have this thing that hangs around with me well after it's best by date. Yeah. And that sounds like that's that's what that is for you. You know, there's this thing that seems to pop up, maybe hang over you, loom over. So I wanted to ask, you you're writing. I wanted just to tie in with Ben there. I wanted to ask, how old were you when you first saw that scene? Oh, I, can't, um, I couldn't tell you. Um, I think I saw, I think it maybe would have been my, maybe late twenties when I saw it. Oh, I, was, okay. I was a big, I was, I was, I was actually a big, um, Carpenter fan. I saw most of his other stuff. Yeah. Um, at a young age. And I might have actually seen that scene out of context or by itself, maybe when I was in my teens and yeah. it scared the shit out of me so yeah. much that I never watched the whole movie yeah. until like, you know, like, you know, like really quite late. Um, but yeah, like, you know, that just something about that. I don't know if it's the kind of weird presentation because it's so not in keeping with the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, but it's just like ripping me out. Yeah. It was a, it's a little bit off as well, isn't it? It's yeah. not like the pristine, perfect cinematography yeah. yeah, like, we get today. And I think something adds to this carpenter movie. And this is like, weird grainy video footage yeah. kind of like shuggling it out and there's this kind of like really grainy voice is just saying this is not a dream this is not a dream and like the first it just sounds like static and every time and this scene comes back again and again over the course of the movie and the first time it's just like static and then the more you actually hear it's actually a message like this is not a dream this is a broadcast in the future he's hmm. coming whatever it is like you know and it's like it just really freaks me out i think there's almost actually, like the figure coming from like the most the church is just there's almost like, that kind of kind of um david lynch quality to that bit as well yeah. you know it's just we're gonna fuck with your perception yeah. you know, and, yeah. and yeah. you're not gonna know what way is up by the end of this yeah i mean that movie in general just like such an gem like that image it was like when she puts her hand in the mirror and it's like just pure blackness in the beyond then you see a hand coming from the beyond reaching out to cut to catch it on the other side it's just like really creepy me yeah so there's a big dream dream quality to to that so so let's not get bogged down in that let's 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 get into the main event like bonus you know they're gonna wipe run it up (laughs) bonus apocalypse i like it so the main event john what's your what's your what's your actual favorite apocalypse 
Yeah, my actual favorite podcast is I know it seems like it's not not too interesting or too original, but for me, as far as apocalypse is going, like, you can get better than like George Romero's like Dead Trilogy. Um, for me, are like you know specific, are like mo- all of them, like but mm-hmm. like, I think most of all, Dawn of the Dead is the one that really like jumps at me. But they're they're all kind of like special in their own way. But um, I just think that not I mean yeah, zombies in general is a really powerful idea, but specifically those zombies as realized mm-hmm. by Romero I just think that vision of the world is just so beautifully bleak and it's something like that and I talked about it that I didn't see Prince of Darkness until like I was like you know in my late 20s mm-hmm. or whatever but I saw Dawn of the Dead when I was like 13, 14 like, you know <laughs> you know yeah, and like that right. me. Um, and it's just that idea of like even like, the happiest scenario in this world, in this particular apocalypse, let's say, like, you know, you can find safe refuge, you can get away from the zombies, you can go find, like, an island somewhere or whatever, like, you know, um, and be free. Then you go old and you die and become a zombie. <laughs> you know, like, so there's no escape from it, like, you know, yeah. and that's like, you know, it's really, it's just like, it's like, it's like the world has ended and you're just watching, like, the after effects of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's almost the best result because if you go off somewhere on your own and you grow old, you die, you turn to a zombie. That's better, maybe safer than <laughs> like going to an island with someone. End up having this status quo argument: uh, who's the real leader? I'm right, you're wrong. Kind of yeah. stuff that tends to happen in these films. That tends to bring about some kind of accident, and then everyone starts showing at the zombies, and then you're back to uh, night of the living dead, that, that initial outbreak, that kind of stuff. And then you have to right, find somewhere to hold up again. Okay, so hold on a second, Ben, right? So you yeah. think it's better to be on your own in the middle of nowhere? Not safer, <laughs> safer, almost a safer alternative. Then you're you almost... die, you become a zombie. Mm. And then what? You're just like, like wasting away for eternity? Possibly. Or yeah. do, you take, do you take it into your own hands to make sure you don't become the zombie? Just, just before the end? Chop your own head off, like who knows? Yeah, who knows? Whatever, get creative. You know, yeah. we've all seen a invest in a guillotine, oh, a zombie land. You know, the pianos falling down. Do it, do it, you like you know, do yeah. it feels right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's so it's so funny how most of those films. I'm a massive fan of those films. Um, that as soon as this this kind of revel this 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 revolution of zombies has happened, yeah, and now the status quo is turned upside down, yeah. And um, people who wanted a change in, in life and government have gotten one. But as soon as they get some kind of place to hold up in, they're trying to establish that old form. Yeah, of, the old system. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. Like, why? Is there some kind of safety about it? I, I don't know, but I, I love it. It's, I, it's, I just think like, I do like the idea, like, the idea of, like, it's like, because zombies are, like, literally decaying. And it seems like every one of those movies is about how things decay like you can set a, set a sanctuary and it's going to fall apart like you know because that's just the way things are and it's quite interesting because I actually revisited Dawn of the Dead um, quite recently um, I mean I remember when I watched that as a kid what I used to think is like oh great they found this shopping mall they've made it safe and I always got so upset at the end and I was like oh my god they had this in the great sanctuary and they ruined it and like all these people have came in and destroyed it and now they have to leave but when you watch the movie again recently, the, Loki, the scariest part of the movie for me, isn't when 
the sanctuary falls apart. It's like they made everything safe, and you just watch them decaying inside this. Like you know, they're safe. They've built a world, but it's like a stagnant world. Like it's only them, and you can just see the despair kind of like slipping in. Like you know, and yeah. you just get, when you're watching that, it's like you know, maybe the best thing that could happen to these people is like you know the zombies kind of taking over and forced them to move because like you could just see like you know they wouldn't have lasted much longer about that there's so much in that like that that idea you know there's the the whole consumerism thing then mm-hmm. there's the idea that a life lived without risk really isn't worth it you know if there's if you're completely safe 100 percent of the time what why are you here what are you doing you know you're just you're just living to die so you may as well submit yourself to the zombies and live as because you're already living as, as one you know um and like looking at those movies now as uh you know older and and slightly slightly wiser i mean i see you know you see all these themes in them do you necessarily think romero at the time romero was actively creating these these narratives to to say these things or was he just making a zombie film because zombies are cool you know um i think like a lot of times like you know if we're talking talk about a lot of directors like you know and all the directors i like you know and you have to say like you know oh what are you thinking of all these deep themes they probably were just like no i just want to make something that makes money but with george romero in particular i think like you know you can see, like, it's in the scripts, like, you know, um, it does insist that, like, you know, Night of the Living Dead, that the casting, like, you know, of the black actor in the lead role, like, you know, was just a coincidence, and he wasn't thinking about, like, you know, making a statement on race about that, but especially when you get into the sequels, like, it steadily gets, like, more and more overt, like, the cool, like, commenting on society and social hierarchies and stuff like that. Um, and you can see, like, the whole speech that, you know, they get, you know, like, they, they give in Dawn of the Dead, and it's like, um, they're talking about, like, why did they come here? Like, you know, it's how they always came and stuff. I think that's definitely kind of, like, intentional commentary. And by the time you get into, like, Day of the Dead, that's, like, full-blown, like, you know, yeah. literally, like, science versus military versus, like, you know, like, you know, government, like, you know, and, like, what is the best, like, you know, you know, ideology for proceeding in the world, like, you know? So I do think that, with George Romero in particular, and that's been why I enjoy the takes in Zombies, because the politics is entrenched in it. Mm. Um, and possibly by the time he got to his like, later films, was maybe like, you know, too much in that direction, when he was almost like, for losing sight of being a monster of a zombie maybe. But um, I do think that with Romero, yeah, the politics of all were very much intentional rather than just imagined by us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I don't have to agree with you there. Um, I think the, the original one, I think was there's there's a certain amount of it I think I think that um was done because it was cool you know and it was yeah. just a cool movie to do and there was a, an experimental vibe to it and it was very homemade and it was you know as as punk rock as a movie gets um one of the things I love about the Living Dead is when you watch that movie you have to watch it imagining that because like, it essentially invented like zombies like you know as we currently know them so when you watch that movie actually. You think about what I've been like watching it, um, just as a view at the time. It's like, oh my god, was this crazy person like attacking them? Oh my god, he's dead. There's a twist, like you know, like you know, oh my god, like all these people, you know, and it's like, oh my god, the dead are coming back to life. It's like an eight second act revolution, like you know, um, it's actually quite fascinating to watch in that yeah. way. Yeah, it's it, it a great way to come up with a a new monster as well because he he never intentionally meant to make that a zombie. He, 
Yeah, you always find the ghouls. Yeah, just ghouls, or I think you yeah. call them stenchies and the flesh eaters later on as, as the films yeah. went, went on. But like he just wanted to kind of do a Richard Matheson, uh, I Am Legend film, and yeah. thought that, well, if he's done vampires, I guess I can't do them. I'll come up with <laughs> something else. And uh, nobody's done a, done an I Am Legend movie yet, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like it's it's so weird. That's that's our godfather of the zombie, and he he hates that term. He prefers that they be called ghouls. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so was he was he anti zombie in terms of the the moniker? He's not happy with it. Is that yeah. right? I'm pretty sure he said that a few times. I mean, I think like I mean, I've seen to find the thing like you know if the zombie starts getting used in the subsequent films, if he can't end up then yeah, I can't I can't remember offhand. So there's. Is there? There's five in total that he was. Um, yeah, he made like obviously the, the trilogy, which is the classic. Then yeah. it was like was it Land of the Dead, and then and was then it Tiny the Dead? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hate yeah. the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they changed the rules. He kind of, I think, in those last two, he kind of had the same hero, didn't he? The same people. I think that was. Can I yeah, yeah, yeah. the last two? I just remember reading about them. Yeah, um, I think they, I remember watching them ages ago when they came out. It was it was one of those moments where I, I found these DVDs in Tesco's and went, "Oh my god, he, he's done more! I need these." And, uh, it <laughs> got was, my it meal was deal. Got my zombies. Yeah. <laughs> well, just as soon as I found them, I found that he did the um, the uh, oh, is it City of the Dead? I can't remember the name of the title of the book now. But Alex Maleev drew it. Jordi Romero wrote it. Matt Wilson colored it. Oh, and it, it was it was zombies and it was vampires living in the same world. Is that the that's the Marvel one? It could be. Yeah. Is it Marvel? Yeah. Marvel versus zombies. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it wasn't. I can't remember what it was called. Now I'll I'll look it up in a minute. But um, really another interesting thing you can kind of see a bit more of a, of a Richard Matheson influence on that, where there's the, the vampires are ruling the roost, and uh, these the, the zombies are kind of. Some of them in other places. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really, really cool stuff, though. You know, and Alex Maleev, there's nothing he won't draw that I, I, won't, I won't love. So what um, happens when a vampire bites a zombie, then? Yeah, I'd, I'd spoil the book. You gotta go, you gotta ah, go read okay. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's well worth it. I can't recommend it enough. It's really, really good. Check it out, man. I'll check it out. Stick it on the list. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, it, there were, or there was a remake. Do we want to talk about the remake? How do you feel about the remake? Um, do you know, like, again, I've never actually seen the remake, oh, but okay. it does seem to, like, have been getting, like, a fonder reception as time's gone by. Like, you know, folks, yeah, it's actually good and folks should give it a shot. Um, I watched, like, that um, sort of, was it in Shudder, the top, top 100 horror movies, or whatever it was, and, like, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, there was like, a bit of a talking about it, like, you know, they thing, like, you know, maybe it's angry as folk were back in, like, 2004 when it first came out. Like, now that it's, like, almost 20 years old itself, like, before reassessing and going, no, this movie actually slapped. And, like, you know, you should give yeah. it a go. Yeah. No, it's worth a look. Um, and I, I think it slaps. I am totally on that. Like, I, I really like it. It's, yeah. the, it's the least Zack Snyder movie of, of Zack Snyder's oh, movies. It, I think 100% his best movie. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's worth worth a look, definitely. Yeah. Um uh who have we got in that? That's Ving Rames in that one? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the cop. Yeah. Now it's he's, um yeah. it's uh yeah, it's it's definitely worth worth a go. Um okay, so 
that had obviously had a massive impact on you, John. Like, where are you then? Where are you going then? So young, young John has seen, or mid twenties, John has seen uh, the uh, the Romero trilogy. Oh um, no, no, I was, I was younger when I saw. You're younger, it. okay. So teenage John, teenage John has seen the Romero yeah. trilogy. Where do you go next then? Where, yeah. like, where? Because I know, like, from back in the day when when I was exposed to that kind of stuff, I was like, right, I want more of it. I want more of it. I want more of it. What was the What was the next step for you? Where did you? Well, well you I think for me, I you know, like, seeing the Romero trilogy landed in that teenage phase of just like trying to see as much canon horror as I could, like, you know, um, so I kind of like, you know, just. So I was watching all kinds of horror movies and seeing what other 70s horror. But zombies specifically, um, I think it was like when The Walking Dead, like, you know, when I got into that, like maybe around 2009 or so, like, I started catching up in that. Yeah. And, and that's when I really went, okay, now I'm going to go back and then I rewatched the Romero movies. I was like, what other zombie stuff can they get into? And like, and I found like the Fulci zombies, which are like the grimiest, nastiest zombies <laughs> out there. Um, like, you know, like zombie flesh eaters, like slash zombie two, whatever you want to call it. That kind of like jumped out at me. And yeah, I'm just going to try to like, you know, seek out any other zombie stuff I could for a while. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, there's, and there's no end of it now. It's like, yeah, there's so much. We've yeah, just... Shaun the Dead, obviously, is a classic too. Oh man, that's just so good. You got red yeah, on What I love about Shaun the Dead is like, you know, for me... The best parodies, like, you know, um, and Hot Fuzz does, does this as well, but the best parodies are, one, both, they're, they're funny, but they also work as a successful example of the thing they're parodying. So Shaun yeah. the Dead actually manages to be scary at points, you know, that actually yep. works as a zombie movie. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Right? Um, it, uh, it got me, actually, it actually brought me back to zombies. You know, because I, mm-hmm. I was I was a long way away from them at that point. You know, and uh, yeah, that and I, I'm sure it had the same effect on a lot of people. You know, because you're like, I'm going to see a zombie movie, really. And <laughs> you know, then you remember how much fun they are. Um, yeah. After, after seeing that, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, for anyone wanting for some zombie deep cuts, you should check out a 1980s movie called Dead and Buried. Um, Dead and Buried. Yes, yeah, from the screenwriters of um, Alien. Um, and it is like essentially it was like the 1980s idea is essentially like a modern reworking of like the pre-Romero zombie like you know, the ones that are kind of like you know reanimated and have mm-hmm. a master directing them and stuff like this oh yeah and it's like this is this, you know, a delicate small town with a secret essentially like it's kind of like covert zombie movie um and it's really well done um so like, you know, I think it was like like there's a guy called Trevor Henderson on Twitter who's a great kind of like artist and horror enthusiast and he says it's like perhaps the most slept on horror movie ever okay. and i may agree with him we'll get it we'll get it in the episode notes we'll, find yeah, it. we'll track it down it. somewhere yeah. yeah it's good to see like the kind of original take on like um or what was it the serving the rainbow that kind of stuff where it was yeah, 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 uh, a drugged individual yeah yeah like it's 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 i didn't realize that was the original Start of what a zombie was known as, like yeah, until I heard Romero say, you know, yeah. stuff like reanimating them as like serpents and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our family's thinking that like they they had a a dead relative and they they're walking down the street, they find them down the street and they're holding some guy's bags or something, and they realize that this guy's been drugged yeah, they have to like a point. Idea that like you know if you cross like you know like a local like you know shaman or whatever, like they would mm. do that, like you know they would make you like the slave after death. Yeah, yeah. It's just they dig you up afterwards, give you this other thing, and you're kind of theirs for keeps. And it's, uh, it's a, uh, oh, cra- I mean, that's horrific. That is scary. Um, and it's weird to think that it's both of those things are, are zombies, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That that freaked me out. That movie back in the day. Mm. Or Dead and Buried. <laughs> no, Serpent the Rainbow. That was Dead and Rainbow. Like, that was yeah. Wes Craven, wasn't it? Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that was that oh, was no, another one like that has that that kind of like take on zombies. Actually, is Messiah of Evil. Um, that's like another like overlooked horror classic. Messiah of Evil. Who did that? Or? Um, that was I can't remember who did it, but like it came out in maybe the early seventies, maybe just a couple of years after um the original like um sort of Night of and Dead. And like it feels like a weird kind of like West Coast left hand, like left, you know, other shoe drop, like you know, to um, like the Living Dead, like you know, and it's just like sheer. That actually another shot list contender for my favorite apocalypse of that movie because it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> we'll be here, we'll be here all night with, with yeah, your favorite right. apocalypse. <laughs> just, uh, just on the zombie theme, I watched uh, a French movie um, a while back, maybe last year, called Zombie Child. I don't know if you've come across that. Zombie and Child, and it's yeah. like it plays out. Uh, across two timelines there's kind of early 60s in haiti and there's now in um in france and there's a familial link between the the, the characters in the 60s and the characters in, in in modern modern day france and then you you find out along the way that one of, one of the characters from the 60s was turned into a zombie and used as a slave in a in in kind of a, a sugar plantation in Haiti, and you and then you, it's slowly revealed that the entire plantation is staffed by zombie slaves, um, and it's done so well. And then there's there's that link to the family then in in kind of modern modern France, and one of them finds themselves possessed by that character from the sixties, and it's 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 done. It's not a horror movie. It's a drama and it's about family and it's just played straight. That's interesting. Like, and that, that makes it scarier, you know? And that's just like... And wow. to, to just get going down this conversation track makes me think, for me, there's a real inkling there of a kind of story you could do in terms of when we talk about right now, like, you know, like loss of workers' rights and stuff and maybe people have less and less. There's some stories to be told there about, like, you know, people like you know making like zombies out of their employees so that even when they die they have to keep on working yeah. like, they, they still don't get message yet. i mean is is there is there a zombie story in in you know uh ai bots who are being employed <laughs> to write and draw and i actually went, I actually went to see megan uh, this week and i was is like good? what what a lovely utopian vision of the world when ai just like stylish and murders you instead of stealing your artwork yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what did you what I'm did you make of, that, what did you make of Megan I enjoyed it yeah um, like, I think it was just the right amount of totally that yeah to, you know, like, to be like a good night in the movies yeah I think I think uh, Kayla Cooper um, is just phenomenal for that daftness like she gets it so, like yeah. with, with yeah, uh, them is the same way Malevol- yeah that was just like the reveal at the end of that was like, what yeah. it was amazing yeah. though. it was just brilliant <laughs> you know? yeah loved it loved it man so look um, thanks for joining us on uh, the odds pod John Oh, thanks for having me on. I like talking about the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, we, and I'm sure we'll continue this conversation next time. Oh, next time we see it. a few more episodes. Yeah, do a few more <laughs> of those apocalypses. That'll be good for real. Um, so just so the listeners can find you and you know get get in touch with you, where where is the best place? I I'm on Twitter. Um, at John Lee's nine two seven. Also on Instagram at John Lee's nine two seven. Uh, my newsletter. Um, you can subscribe at deepender.johnleescomics.com. That's deep dash ender.johnleescomics.com. Um, it goes out every week with various essays and news about my latest happenings. I would recommend um, that. And it's great. Thank you very much. 
Um, and um, I've got a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash John Lees, which has like, you know, original stories, process stuff, all kinds of behind the scenes looks at my various comics. And I have an online shop, uh, johnleescomics.bigcartel.com. And that's everything. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, John. Do well, you want to give the FOC just for the nasty again? Yeah, oh, yeah. Just yeah, one more like shop for the nasty. So, yeah, the nasty um, from Vault Comics is coming out uh, March 22nd, it's released. Um, and FOC is February 22nd. So, you have until then to go to your local comic shop and let them know that you want the nasty one added to your pull list. I know I'll be doing that. It looks, it sounds great. It's right up my street. Uh, I know what's up day three too. I mean, it, I, I can't wait to walk into the comic book store and demand the nasty and see what happens. <laughs> demand it. Slam your hand on the table. <laughs> John, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for joining us on the Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favorite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Benessy. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty, and we'll see you at the end of the world.